Should old acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to mind? I don't know any other words to this song. It's happy 2020. <laughs> Way to not rhyme. <laughs> I know. I couldn't figure it out. I was just trying to think of a way to start this show because it's the first show of the new year. And it could be like everyone else that made the Ramones joke. Oh, God, I saw that this morning, and I am embarrassed to say it took me a very long time to fit. I was like, 20, 20, 24 hours to go, the Ramones. I didn't put it together until all of a sudden I went, oh, yeah, 20, 20, 24 hours to go. <laughs> I want to be sedated. It took me way too long to remember that. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be walking around like, yeah, of course, we're recording this on the 31st, and everyone you see today will be like, oh, see you next year. <laughs> yep. Always fun. <laughs> oh, God. This is the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And today we are going to, sorry for the long break, I did put up, uh, if you are subscribed, I did put up a really short episode just explaining that the holiday schedule for both of us kind of killed this show for a couple weeks, but we're getting back on track with season one, episode seven, Ghost in the Machine. Which is did a you... great anime. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Wait, is Ghost in the Machine an anime? Well, is it Ghost in the Machine or is it... Ghost in the Shell, I think you mean. Ghost in the Machine. Damn it. Because <laughs> that was the one with... Uh, was that Scarlett Johansson that was yeah. in there? Yeah. And everyone was mad because she wasn't Japanese? Yep. That's what I... Okay. Cool. Uh, this episode is... Uh, whoops, I closed my note. There we go. There are my notes. Uh, directed by Gerald Friedman and originally aired October 29th, 1993. Three, and it was, and uh, it was written by Alex Gansa and Howard Gordon, um, and one of those fellas. Just so you know where we are at, I believe it was Howard Gordon. I don't have the Wikipedia page open right now. I was reading about this episode earlier, but um, said that it was one of the biggest disappointments that they had done and that they thought it was the worst episode of the first season. And I disagree. I think the worst episode, not only of the first season, but of the entire series is yet to come. But we'll see what everybody else thinks when we get there. So. I'm, I am going to say, um, oh, the bus and Metro are not free for me. Damn it. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say, like, I will say this episode... Not that big of a fan of. <laughs> no, no. This is... I would call this the second worst episode of this season, honestly. Um, not next episode, but episode nine is what I think is 
probably the worst episode of the entire show, but we'll get there. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so this is going to be another one of those ones we yada, yada, yada over a lot. I put it in my notes. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Well, there's a lot of, um, and this is another thing that I read in the trivia when I was reading up some facts about this episode is that the guys that wrote it weren't very computer literate and it definitely shows up in this episode through a lot of like uninteresting techno babble. It makes no sense. <laughs> no, not really. So, uh, hopefully everyone is along with the ride and, uh, here we go. The cold open is at a place called Eurisco world headquarters in crystal city, Virginia. And there's like this argument going on between this slobby looking geek and this high powered exec. And boy, does this uh, slobby looking geek dude define what I think of. I mean, if he was a little bit fatter, he would be just like what we now call a neck beard. <laughs> yeah. He's got, I mean, I, I've never quite seen a hairdo like this guy or facial hairdo like this guy. It started on his beard, went all the way down his neck and just joined his chest hair. <laughs> it was so weird. Anyway, um, so the, the slobby looking geek dude is like, well, this is my company. And the exec is like, no, Brad, it's not your company anymore. And the guy leaves and... Then um, the exec guy who we find out is called Benjamin Drake. He's typing out some notes and he gets up to leave for the day. And he hears some noise from his bathroom and he goes in and his sink is overflowing. And then his phone rings. And when he answers, it's the voice that says, you know, at the tone, the time will be whatever. And the lights in the bathroom go out and the door swings shut. And this... Uh, this Benjamin Drake guy is locked in and he tries to swipe his card to get out, which to me doesn't seem like a good system for being in the bathroom to have to have a security card to get out of the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, uh, th th this is like already off to a bad start where I'm just like, um, what is happening? <laughs> right. And uh, so he tries to security swipe to get out of the bathroom, which is bizarre and then he pulls out a more traditional key and there's a big electrical explosion and he's thrown against the wall and then we see this old supercomputer that is called central operating system and it says something but i tried to catch it three times and i couldn't hear what it said or not hear what it said but couldn't understand what it said i think it said something about terminated yeah something about uh if i remember correctly it was definitely like possible threat terminated or something along those lines something yeah. oh well so basically it's already obvious who the villain of this episode is even though the episode will now go on to try to tell you it's somebody different yeah it's like it that, that was the other thing that kind of like i kind of I'm not going to lie, I kind of tuned out a lot because it's like, okay, we know exactly what's happening and now they're spending so much time freaking like, no, it's this guy. He's right. doing yeah. it. So the opening credits go and then it's at FBI headquarters and this is, I guess, technically their Halloween special because it came out on October 29th and there was one of those old school 
uh, pumpkin trick-or-treat buckets that this Agent Jerry pulls some candy out of before he meets up with Mulder and gives him a big hug. Yep. That's how we know it was the Halloween special. Um, and it turns out this Jerry guy used to be Mulder's partner. Stuff, things, buys them lunch, explains the cold open scene to them. Um, then Jerry basically comes out and says, you know, I recommended you for this investigation team, Mulder. And Mulder's like, well, we don't do that. We do X-Files. And Jerry's like, oh, come on, man. I really need your help, dude. Like, the whole annoying subplot with this Jerry guy starts right here. Yeah. Um, So Mulder and Scully go off to the tech company and... Ugh, more yada, yada, yada. I feel bad. I was thinking about this last night, actually. And I tweeted about it, and you probably saw this. But I was also watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And based on the first few episodes of The X-Files and the entire first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, these days, those shows would never have gotten off the ground. Oh, no, yeah. Like, it's pretty sad that they both go on to be really good shows, but because they have kind of weak first seasons, these days they wouldn't fly. <clears throat> For the uh, most part, like, these, yeah, the, the, they would get one season, mm-hmm. possibly, if, if, yeah. the, if a company was feeling like, oh, this might give us some more money. And yeah, after first season, more than likely would be like, no, nah, yeah. forget it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mulder and Scully, they're talking about Mulder and Jerry's past. And this is where we start seeing the security cameras watching everything. Um, again, becomes pretty obvious who the villain is pretty quick. Uh, cause then Mulder and Scully, they get on the elevator, which stops and, Scully calls security and says, you know, this is Agent Dana Scully. We're stuck on the elevator. And then all of a sudden the elevator starts moving again. And we see the supercomputer central operating system searching for her phone number so it can save it for later. Okay. Cool. Cool. And then there's some more techno jargon about completing circuits, trying to explain how the dead guy died. And this is where we, you know, kind of learn a little bit more about the big old supercomputer central operating system, more shots of security cameras. And this is where I literally put it in my notes. It's already super obvious the big old supercomputer is in charge and is the murderer. Yeah. (laughs) They're not even trying. Like, it's not even a visually interesting villain. It's... And so Mulder's like, oh, we got to figure out who called him. The phone is off the hook. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, oh, God. And then uh, back at Mulder's office, he's trying to find his profile on his really messy desk, and he can't find it. And Scully makes some kind of joke about needing to clean his desk more than once a year, but he's got to hurry up. They're late for a meeting. (sighs) God, I'm telling you this so much. I'm talking over here. Lots of yada, yada, yada at a profile meeting about the case and how uh, electrical homicide is rare and stuff and things about how this guy is probably a psycho recluse. And all of a sudden Scully goes, 
Mulder, this is your report. And Mulder's like, well, we'll talk about it later. And this is when they play what the final phone call was. And that becomes important. It's the final phone call. It's the final phone call. At the tone, the beep, the beep, the time will be 7.05. That's the time he died. Okay, great. Thanks for reiterating what we already watched. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> i'm telling you this is like yeah welcome to it's 2020 a- join us as we get all negative yep uh Mulder gets all mad at jerry for reading his profile and jerry's like oh come on i asked you for help so i took your profile that was you helping me man like it's okay like oh don't worry about it kind of deal and Mulder's all mad and so Scully comes and she's like well here's this guy Brad who used to be in charge of the company he's the only person with the authority to override the central operating system oh and by the way he also hated this other guy that got killed so oh and by the way he also fits the profile that you made and Mulder's like oh come on this is too obvious and I'm like yeah but what's also really too obvious is that the computer is sentient yeah Like, this guy isn't even kind of a suspect at this point to anyone except Mulder, Scully, and Jerry. Yes. Uh, So, they go to his fancy mansion, and there's more of those security cameras again, and Brad answers the door, and he's like, well, what took you guys so long? And then there's this whole bullshit spiel that i didn't quite get about like sloppy mines versus neat mines yeah i i still don't understand that i watched it again i was just like i was like this makes no sense and brad says something about oh i followed the dead or fish or some freaking i think he said the dead um more stuff you know all this drake guy was the worst and didn't eh, who knows but the one thing i did say was he introduces them to the fact that his house is a smart home and i'm like oh hey an early version of a smart home now those are just a thing yeah x files predicts the future also we thought pra- simpsons did it no it's Sim- x files simpsons did it uh oh and there's a nice pinball machine i wrote that because i was so bored at this point i was just looking for things to comment on and finally Mulder goes uh well how is this house similar to the central operating system and brad's like yep pretty much the same and Mulder's like anyone else know it well enough to override it and he's like not really and then Mulder's like could someone have hacked it and he gives his long god this Brad guy talks a lot he's like well there's all these like weirdos and stuff and things and yeah basically anything's possible and I'm like okay whatever um and then Mulder says could you have done it and Brad goes of course that's why you're here I'm your logical suspect and then talking more about scruffy minds and I basically all his bullshit adds up to I didn't do it. Yeah. Duh. No kidding. (laughs) We figured this out. Oh God. And then Scully's doing her report and she goes to bed uh, and her computer turns itself on and words her field journal 
is like appearing on the screen and then we see the central operating system copying her report. Oh which, no. <laughs> which um at this point I called horseshit. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean like it, this computer is not a part of this program like this is like still early on mm-hmm. like this kind of technology and I'm like wait 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 wait. <laughs> how is this compute how is this operating system able to go into like because everything seems to be centralized in one area well because it, it looked up her phone number and went over her internet though right because oh no i guess that's later when she find because she picks up the phone and it makes the modem noise yeah see what i mean yeah with, yeah so make that doesn't make sense but whatever <laughs> Right, exactly. Central operating system can suddenly just become part of all the systems, which yeah. I guess it plays into the Department of Defense shit later. Oh, I, I guess we'll guess. get there. Uh, where was? Oh yeah, and basically, um, back at Mulder's office, they're like listening to tapes of Brad giving lectures, and Jerry invites him into the hall or whatever. And Jerry apologizes, and Mulder's like, well, all you had to do was ask, and shit that really doesn't matter about Jerry kind of being jealous that Mulder is such a good agent, and then Scully's like, well, you guys come back in here, and basically what she does is show a voice analysis that Jerry's voice matches the voice of, at the tone, the time will be 7.05, which makes Brad the guilty party, quote-unquote. Yeah. Boy, they tried real hard in this episode, didn't they? <laughs> they really did. Like this was such a heavy-handed episode of just like of just like here's the real thing, but mm-hmm. we are going to spend the entirety being like, "No, he's really behind it and it's operating because he's doing it." Right. It's like it's like they almost had to I don't know, it's almost like they were Because in good mysteries, there is a good red herring where you actually... It's like they didn't quite know how to write a mystery. Yeah. It's super odd that that's how it ended up. uh, That they kept trying to point... Maybe they weren't even trying to point the audience. I don't know. Um, So Brad is at his house in the dark, typing on the computer... Uh, excuse me burped uh he's like oh come on come on let me in i I can't get access denied computer stuff and (laughs) he's computer words computer words code stuff and leaves his house gets in his car drives away jerry follows him brad goes to urisco and he Runs in the building and gets in the elevator and more shots of the security cams. And then Jerry gets there. <laughs> uh, I know, dude. I know. I I had forgotten kind of that this first season was as shaky as it was before I asked people to dive in with me. Because I <laughs> usually just remember the good seasons. Um, it's fine. In order for us to get through it, I mean, I have to watch them all at some point. I know, so I know. You gotta get through it. So, and that comes with good versus bad and everything. I, I know. I promise next week's is pretty good because it's based on the same short story that um, inspired the thing. 
Yes. Uh, so Brad runs up to the central operating system room and he finally gets on and the computer talks to him and Brad's like, wait a minute, my computer can't talk. How are you talking to me? And can I, can I log on to you? What's my operator level? And the computer's like, that is now at the discretion of the operating system. Meaning that, you know, uh, Skynet has become self-aware, basically. <laughs> Terminators are coming! Terminators are coming! Jerry gets on the... Meanwhile, Jerry gets on the elevator, starts going up. Brad can see him and keeps going, What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? To the computer. And he's trying to stop the computer. And basically what happens is the computer kills Brad by dropping the elevator all the way down from the 29th floor. Which would be a terrifying way to go out, but... It would be. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. And this is when we cut to Mulder sitting there watching the security footage of Jerry's death and what Brad was doing at the same time. And Scully comes in and Mulder's like, I don't think Brad did it. This doesn't make sense. Like, he's posing for the camera and stuff. And Scully's like, well, he did just sign a confession, so he did it. And Mulder goes to Brad's house and there's some agents there and they're like, go away. This is a crime scene. And Mulder pulls out his FBI badge and says, yeah, I know. I, I ordered the subpoena. And they're like, well, your subpoena is no good anymore. It's it, our subpoena takes authority. My subpoena is bigger than your subpoena. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh god, they're they're measuring subpoenas. Yeah. Oh god. And they're like you need to have a code 5 clearance. So basically you don't have a big enough dick to be here. Go away. And so that he does. That is some big dick energy. <laughs> big dick energy. Uh, and this is when he meets with Deep Throat. Giggity 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 giggity. giggity. Um, and he's like, come on, I, why is this going on? Why do, why do I need a, uh, a code five to investigate Brad from the department of defense? And deep throat is like, well, you know, Brad was way into AI. And, uh, the rumor is that he built a machine that's capable of learning and the DOD kind of might be interested in that. And so... Mulder goes to Brad's jail cell and he's like, come on, Brad, I know you're innocent. You're just protecting the machine. And Brad goes on this long spiel about how uh, Robert Oppenheimer regretted building the atomic bomb. And so basically he's not protecting the machine. He's protecting everybody that the government would use the machine on. And Mulder's like, well, just tell me how to destroy the machine and it, you'll be out of jail or whatever. I don't know. Basically being like, listen, if you know how we can fix this, mm -hmm. like, we'll get you out of here. Yeah. Because much. You, te you technically, though you created it, you're not responsible for the way it's become. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we get a classic Mulder and Scully argument where he's like, Brad's going to create a virus to destroy the system. And Scully's like, you're telling me that the central operating system murdered those people. 
And Mueller's like, yeah, they were going to shut it down and it's just trying to preserve itself. And they argue a little bit more and finally says, uh, Scully goes, I think this is about Jerry. Maybe you should talk to someone. And Mulder's like, yeah, maybe I should. I'm going to go talk to someone. And he walks away and goes back to Brad's cell and brings him a laptop so he can make the virus. Uh, let's see. And then this is the part we were talking about earlier where Scully's phone rings and she answers it. And there's the modem sound on the other end. So she jumps up and runs to her computer and sees it's running on her own. And then she calls her office to get a trace on who's accessing. Now, I didn't notice if she used her cell phone or if she had a second landline. I thought because... it was a second landline because I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, because I was like, how is she calling her office? If Because the... back in the old days, children, you couldn't use your phone if your internet was logged on. Oh, um, back in those days. I remember having that in my house. We had to have like an internet time limit so my parents wouldn't miss any phone calls. Same. <sighs> uh, simpler times. <laughs> sort of, I guess. I don't know if it was simpler, but maybe. Uh, and Outside of Eurisco, Mulder's already there and Scully gets there and explains why she's there and Mulder's like, here's how we get in. And he holds up uh brad's vanity plates because apparently they have like a scanner that scans the plates to let you know if you're allowed to get in the garage and they fool the scanner part of the machine but the camera part is watching and drops the gate on top of their car trying to keep them out or kill them or both i don't know um, yeah i wasn't quite sure what was happening because like man that door was that that door was kind of a piece of crap <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they, they go in and climb the stairs because why would you use the elevator in a building where the elevator killed a dude? And they get to floor 29, can't get in. Uh, Mulder covers the security camera lens. Then there's a vent grate in the ceiling and he helps Scully get in the duct and says, you know, crawl through to the other side and let me in. But once Scully is in the vents, they start to blow or suck or some sort of sexy word for move air around. And they do it so hard that she gets dragged through the duck work toward a big old fan. Cool. Yeah. This is the bi- <sighs> this is the thing, I guess. Uh, another thing where if you're fighting AI and you're on a small budget... It doesn't work because I guess there was supposed to be another big elevator sequence, which would have also been terrible because it would have been repetitive, but they had to cut it because of budget constraints and they went to this fan thing instead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, the chief of security finds Mulder in the stairwell, takes him to the central operating system and Mulder plugs in the virus. Then it cuts back to Scully up in the vents and she's managed to grab a hold of a little corner in a fork in the shafts, which also sounds dirty. And she's shooting her gun at the fan. That's the way you fight the computer. You shoot you, your gun at you the fan. You shoot guns at inanimate objects. It's so weird, dude. It's so weird. 
Um, so Mulder's about to destroy the computer and this chief of security guy pulls out a gun and he's like, I've been trying to get a hold of this computer for two years. I don't know why I turned him into a hillbilly. I was going to um, ask, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I've been trying to get hold of this computer for two whole years. This thingamajig has been causing us nothing but constant strain and I need it for, for my uh, fermenting devices. Yeah, I'm going to turn this thing into a corn juice squeezer. Make me some moonshine. Uh, turns out this dude is part of the Department of Defense. And uh, Scully comes in with her gun, and she's all beat up and stuff. And she gets this Department of Defense guy to put his gun down, and he says all this shit about, well, you're making a mistake. You're going against your country. You're murka. Um stuff and things and Mulder says some stuff and things and of course Scully takes Mulder's side and he turns on the virus and it kills the computer done and the next the very next scene is Mulder and Deep Throat talking and apparently we find out that Brad has disappeared and Mulder's like I've tried to find out where he is and I can't do you know where he is and Deep Throat basically implies that Brad's been forced into the service of the government because he did confess to two murders and there's no evidence that he didn't commit those two murders. So basically the only way he can not be in jail or dead is to build another AI for the government. And the episode closes with the department of defense guy saying, we've only got a few minutes or a few hours or whatever to finish digging through this computer for anything important before it's got to go to the scrap heap. And then central operating system comes back to life. The end. Uh, I know. I know. It was not. That was not. I mean, fighting a computer is not interesting. <laughs> it really isn't. And um, it, it's. Um, I, I also read in some trivia for this episode that the writers were kind of inspired by HAL 9000 from 2001 a space odyssey yeah which i can see except i'm gonna say something really really controversial here say it 2001 is a fucking boring movie it's pretty boring like i know it's considered this big classic i couldn't make it through the movie i was honest it is a visual classic um visually it's extremely uh extremely pretty Mm-hmm. But for substance reasons, like I'm a huge movie buff. I love movies. Two thousand. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this is fine and dandy, but it's only like I would put this on for like as a background if I would just need something to have up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Computers don't make good enemies, and this is another thing that shows it. So. Um... Yeah, I don't have very many final thoughts on this one. How about you? This, mo- this one sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good final thought. I'll go with God. this one does suck. It's it's boring. Uh, this is probably the last time I'll ever watch it, even though I'll go through another watch through of this entire series again in my life. <laughs> uh, big old f- Fat D on this one. It's not quite an F. Yeah. What about you? 
kind of like D minus. Yeah, D D minus. Yeah, I there's very few episodes of this show I'll give a complete F. Uh, one of them is coming up, but um, so excited. Yeah, I know. Um, so again, this is kind of another short one. Not a lot to talk about here. Uh, your homework for next week is season one, episode eight, and it is titled Ice. And as I said, ice it is baby. Ice, ice baby. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, okay. As, and as I said, it's inspired by the same short story that inspired the thing. So you're going to see a lot of similarities between Ice and the thing, which, which is I'm fine. Stoked. Yeah, it works out pretty well. It makes for an interesting episode. Cool. Well, that's it for this uh, piece of crap computer AI <laughs> episode. Uh, but that is not it for us. We'll be back. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. <laughs>